It's inanimate, yet you talk into it. You likely hold it right next to your ear. A few decades ago, only a few people had in their pockets a technology which would revolutionize the way we act, think, and connect to others. Now, billions of people have a mini supercomputer at their disposal. What is this revolutionary technology I'm talking about? The cell phone. The cell phone has created the wireless revolution of the 21st century, connecting people to family and friends worldwide at the touch of a button. That sounds great, but is there a catch? Recently, hundreds of scientists have stepped forward to express their concerns over the dangers of long and short-term exposure to electromagnetic fields. Thousands of published studies showing effects of cellular radiation on the brain, body, and the environment have added fuel to the flame, igniting the conversation regarding safe tech use. But are these concerns simply fear-mongering and so-called conspiracy theories, or is there a robust body of scientific evidence behind it? And is putting a cell phone next to the most powerful technology on the planet, your brain, or your developing children's brain, really a good idea? All of these topics and more on this episode of the Environmental Health Trust Podcast. This is the Environmental Health Trust Podcast. EHT is a scientific nonprofit committed to creating a healthy and safe environment and is led by Dr. Deborah Davis, an award-winning, internationally renowned scientist who has published over 200 peer-reviewed scientific articles. She was also the founding director of the Board on Environmental Studies and Toxicology of the U.S. National Research Council and National Academy of Sciences. EHT scientists both publish research and work to raise awareness about environmental toxins, health, and industry influence. Our vision is a world where technology is revolutionary and safe for all. Up first is a groundbreaking study by Dr. Nora Volkoff, the head of the National Institute on Drug Abuse in the NIH. In 2011, her scientific team published a research study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, a prestigious peer-reviewed medical journal. They aimed to determine whether the brain was sensitive to cell phone radiation, and if so, how? To answer this question, they took 47 people, placed a transmitting phone next to the ear, and used advanced imaging technology to analyze brain activity near the phone antenna. They found that a 50-minute exposure led to changes in the way the brain metabolized glucose. Listen as Dr. Volkoff explains the findings in an interview on C-SPAN. Well, we found that uh, after 50 minutes of exposure of a cell phone, the areas of the brain that were closest to the antenna showed increased consumption of glucose. Now, glucose is the way that the brain extracts energy in order to perform its function. So when you are activating an area of the brain, you see an increase in glucose consumption. Thus, what we were observing was what appears to be an increase in activity of the areas of the brain that were close to the antenna. 
If you are functioning, if your brain, if you're alive, alive, your brain will be consuming glucose. And uh, the only situation where you will see no glucose consumption is in a dead brain. And, and so, and I'm saying this very clearly because this is not like a pathological response. This is a physiological response on the way that brain are required to perform its functions. So for example, as I look at you, the areas of my brain that are involved in visual processing, the light, uh, those areas are consuming much more glucose. When I'm speaking, for example, the areas involved with language may be consuming 10, 15% the more glucose than if I were silent. So there, there's significant variability depending on the area of the brain that you're studying on the one hand, but also on the complexity of operation that you may be performing or the complexity of the stimulation that you're being exposed to. So what we observe in when you have the cell phone like this, and by the way, the cell phone is muted, because of course if there's noise, that would activate the contralateral auditory cortex in terms of hearing. So it's transmitting, it's a transmitting a text that had been recorded, but it's muted. So what you have here uh, in terms of increasing metabolism, which is very close to the antenna in this area here, we are um, interpreting to reflect the electromagnetic radiation emitted from the antenna. And that increase in glucose consumption was approximately 7%. I would love to say our study is able to clarify this controversial issue of whether uh, cell phones could be harmful to the brain, but the reality is our study cannot. What our study does tell us is that the human brain um, appears to be sensitive to this electromag electromagnetic radiation that, that's emitted for cell phones. Whether this is harmful or not, that is something that needs to be addressed by future studies. And it is important in many perspectives. If in fact, say, and I say not saying that it is, but studies were to show that there is long-lasting consequences that could be negative, then the question is how can you avoid them? And it's very easy. It's very easy to avoid, even if they do show that. You just don't put the cell phone by the side of your head. You use it far away because the intensity of the current emitted from the cell phone rapidly decreases as a function of the distance. So if I have my cell phone one feet away from me, the, the, the exposure of my brain is going to be minimal. So whichever way the field shows, whether there is or there's not, I think that it is extremely interesting, certainly to my brain, that um, it is sensitive to these very weak electromagnetic currents. During the interview, Dr. Volkoff was then asked if she put a cell phone up to her head. I use the cell phone all the time, but I don't use it up to my ear. Because Why? I'm a neurotic. I say always I'm neurotic <laughs> when it comes to the brain. I. Um, my perspective on something like this, and, I, and again, I do not know if there is any harm, and I, it's interesting to look at history and how people react to new technologies with fear, and when we look at it into the back, I says, well, how could they have been afraid? And I was looking at it for electricity. People were afraid of electricity. So, but it's normal. We don't know about that technology, and it turned out that there's nothing harmful. On the other hand, radiation. We were not afraid as physicians on radiation, and it turned out that there are harmful effects. So, because I don't know, and, and there's such an easy solution since I love my cell phone, I, why not? I mean, it doesn't cost me anything. It's, it's to me a non-brainer. Well, let the scientists figure it out if there is or is there not harmful effects. I can have my cake and eat it too. I can use the cell phone 
and minimize any potential, if there, if there is, negative effects just by keeping the cell phone far away from my head. After Dr. Volkov was interviewed, C-SPAN then interviewed two other scientists, Dr. Deborah Davis and Dr. Kenneth Foster, a professor of bioengineering at the University of Pennsylvania. It's important to note that as of 2020, Dr. Foster's research has been funded by the telecommunications industry from groups such as the Wi-Fi Alliance and the Mobile Manufacturers Forum. He has also testified multiple times on behalf of cell tower companies. Well, I think it will be very hard to interpret. Um, for one thing, the subjects received almost no exposure, and the, the effect they reported was very small. And so it will be very hard to understand what it means. Does it matter what kind of phone they used in the study? Well, it, it does. Um, this particular phone they used that was a Samsung handset, and I can't imagine a phone that's less able to produce exposure to somebody's brain. Why do you say that? Well, the antenna was located at the very bottom of the phone, as far away from the brain as possible, and the pattern of absorption in the head was pretty much limited to the cheek and, and the jaw. Um, another problem was that the phone was receiving a message from somebody else, and these kinds of phones, under those conditions, only transmit infrequently just to tell the system that it's still connected. And so um, the, radi the level of, ex of radiation from the phone was quite low. And also with those phones, the level of transmission is determined by how strong the signal is from the local base station. These are always powered down to provide the lowest level of communication uh, possible. And so given these factors, there's some, and also uh, the phone was some distance from the head. Uh, the author said they used a muffler or something between the phone and the head. And so given these uncertainties, there's really no way of knowing what the uh, exposure was. I would, but I'm quite sure that it's extremely low. In fact, this was basically a homeopathic study, uh, very tiny levels of exposure. So, Dr. Foster, when you, uh, if they had used an iPhone or a droid, you think there would have been different results? Do, do different cell phones emit different radio frequencies? Um, yes, and they emit different power levels, but since the level of transmission is so variable depending on all sorts of things, they would really have had to have worked in collaboration with an engineer who understands these things and could perhaps use a cell phone which had been modified to put out a, a given level of signal. As it is, there's no way to even guess what exposure the subjects received to their brains other than knowing that it's very low. So when you look at the plethora of studies that have been done on cell phone use and its uh, potential effects on the brain, what, do you have a conclusion at all? Yes, and my conclusion is basically that of, of health agencies that have looked at this, which is that there have been many reports of studies. Uh, there have been a number of, of effects that have been reported from cell phone use, but they're all small. They have no clear biological significance, and these tend to come and go. And so there's really no clear evidence after all these years that there are significant health effects from using mobile phones. Now, do you have any connection with the cell phone companies in your research, sir? Um, no. I'm a professional engineer, and sometimes I uh, provide um, uh, calculations to determine whether uh, transmitting facilities comply with federal regulations, but that's quite a different thing. Dr. Kenneth Foster, bioengineering department at the University of Pennsylvania, thank you for being on The Communicators. Nice to be with you. 
Numerous papers authored by Foster conclude that typical wireless exposures from cell phones and other wireless devices are far below government safety limits. His industry-funded papers also state that while some studies report biological effects, one cannot draw conclusions about health effects. However, in sharp contrast to Foster's perspective, as of 2020, over 250 scientists independent from industry have signed on to an appeal calling for policy action to reduce exposure to the public because current government safety limits are simply outdated and inadequate to protect the public. C-SPAN then interviewed Dr. Davis. In 2010, a book came out. It was called Disconnect, and it was written by Devra Davis. Devra Davis, in your book and in your presentation about your book, you said you went from three cell phones to no cell phones. Is that correct, and why? Uh, no, I didn't go to known. I still have one, but I certainly gave up my three, and I did it because I began to learn that contrary to uh, what Mr. Foster just told you, a number of health agencies have issued warnings about cell phones, some of them as long ago as 10 years. I learned that the British government had a review group that looked at the evidence on cell phones in the year 2000, and I was stunned because I thought I knew what was going on to learn that they recommended back then that teenagers be very limited in their use of cell phones. Now, when you look at the NIH study and you look at the slide showing the increased brain glucose, glucose activity, what's your conclusion? Well, I think it's a stunning piece of work, and I certainly agree with Mr. Foster. The exposures were quite low, and that's why we need to be very concerned. Uh, what I have done in my book, Disconnect, is to show that Dr. Volkoff's study was not a breakthrough in terms of showing the effects on the brain, but it was one of the most elegant pieces of work ever done. The reason I say it wasn't a breakthrough is that other research, which I document in my book, Disconnect, found in 1994 that pulsed microwave radiation to the brains of rats could unravel their DNA. And then research in 2002 done in Finland showed that you could get an effect on cerebral blood flow from cell phone radiation. And then in 2006, other studies were done uh, also in, in Finland, showing that you could alter brain energy after cell phone use. Unfortunately, many of these studies, in the case of one appeared in, in um, Finnish language and others in, in English, have not garnered the headlines. Of course, Dr. Volkoff is to be commended because she's such an eminent researcher, and this study was a controlled study where they looked at the same person when they did not have the phone next to their head and when they did. So even though the exposures were quite low, and the phone was simply seeking, as phones do, to get information from a tower with nothing else going on, there was a significant change in brain glucose in exactly those areas of the brain that we model exposure gets into. And we know where exposure gets in the brain because of studies that have been done by the cell phone industry that I discuss in my book as well that show that children absorb about twice as much exposure into their brains as do adults. And that's why we're very concerned and we're starting a cell phone safety awareness campaign with Pyle Middle School here in Bethesda and around the country in Jackson Hole, Wyoming and Missoula, Montana, where we're working with teachers and parents to promote cell phone safety. We're not opposed to phones. We just want people to be aware of the safe ways to use them, particularly around children. Well, the uh, wireless industry responded to the NIH study, and this is what they had to say, Dr. Davis. 
The peer-reviewed scientific evidence has overwhelmingly indicated that wireless devices within the limits established by the FCC do not pose a public health risk or cause any adverse health effects. Well, that's actually a misreading of the literature, as I just indicated. There are studies that have shown that cell phone radiation affects the brain. Um, they've been around for a while. In fact, governments in Israel and Britain have recently issued new warnings about reducing direct radiation to the brain for everyone. The British government health pamphlet was just reissued uh, March 6th, and it says all people should be encouraged to text rather than hold a phone next to their head or use a headset or a speakerphone. And I think that makes sensible advice, and I think it's unfortunate that with all of the things going on right now in Washington, our government has not caught up with what others in the world are advising on this, and that the industry continues to invoke the same advice it's been invoking uh, for 20 years. The fact is this is a fast-moving science. We have got to update our understanding of the issue, and we're in the midst of an experiment on ourselves and our children with no controls, because so many of us, including me, are using cell phones today, but I don't hold a phone next to my brain anymore. What are the key takeaways from this study? What other questions remain? And how does this add to the growing body of scientific literature regarding the biological effects from EMFs? So first of all, this study clearly shows changes in the brain from very low-level cell phone microwave radiation, even after a short amount of time, 50 minutes. So clearly, the statement that cell phone radiation is so low, it has no effect on the body, is completely false. But what about the cumulative effects from repeated daily exposure? People use cell phones every single day, for hours a day. Published research associates long-term cell phone use, approximately 10 years or more, with increased risk of brain cancer. And the risk is higher for those starting to use cell phone under 20 years old. Plus, research has found damaged memory and several other effects in both humans and animals. Finally, replicated studies have shown changes to human brain activity after exposure to EMFs by using an EEG. Dr. Volkoff and hundreds of other researchers recommend caution, keeping a distance when using cell phones and other wireless devices. Microwave News, an online publication that has covered the science and the policy of electromagnetic fields for decades, covered the publication of Dr. Volkoff's paper. It pointed out, the closing sentence of the original version of the paper advised cell phone users to keep the antenna away from the brain by using a wired earpiece. However, this was edited out in the review and revision process. As far as we know, Dr. Volkoff's lab has not done any more research in this area. This study was funded by the U.S. Department of Energy and the National Institutes of Health. We can only assume that no additional funding was provided for follow-up research. Given the magnitude of the study, we question why follow-up research was not done, especially given the fact that wireless devices are used daily by billions of people. Dr. Volkoff states in her interviews that she planned to pursue more research and specifically speaks to how these results merit further research. So what happened? 
Dr. Volkoff's research and subsequent research on RF-EMFs clearly demonstrate that there are biological effects to the brain from wireless radiation. Therefore, caution should be taken when using cell phones or any wireless device near your body. Dr. Davis, many scientists, and doctors recommend minimizing cell phone radiation and exposure to your brain as much as possible. Now, what can you do to reduce exposure? Number one, prefer a landline, corded phone, and wired connections whenever possible so that you minimize your use of wireless technology. When using a cell phone, keep a distance between the phone and your brain by using a wired earpiece or speakerphone when making a call. In addition, put the phone on airplane mode or turn it off if you must put it in your pocket. Do not use a phone in areas of poor signal as the radiation from a cell phone has been shown to increase exponentially in areas of poor signal. Now there are several personal steps we can take to reduce exposure, but safety is not assured until policymakers take key steps to protect the public. We can turn off our cell phones all we want, but we cannot turn off the 5G cell tower in our front yard or backyard. The Internet of Things will continue to bring billions of new wireless devices to us. These devices, along with the new small cell towers, will significantly increase our daily exposure. Therefore, I cannot stress enough the importance of getting involved with your local officials to speak up about the need for safe technology and regulations. Read more about Dr. Volkoff's study and others like it on the EHT website under Science and Brain Development. EHT also has many tips to minimize and reduce the risk of cell phone use and wireless radiation, as well as all of the scientific citations referred to in this podcast. Thank you for listening.